What's happening, Southcrest Church? How we doing? Good morning. Well, 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 happy Labor Day weekend. I hope you guys have something really cool planned for tomorrow. Uh, my dad called me and was like, hey, we're going to go to Calloway Gardens. You want to come? I was like, dad, I don't know. I got plans, plans to do absolutely nothing. Uh, so I don't know if I'm going to get off of my couch. I don't even know. I'm going to sleep and hang out. So uh, happy football weekend, I guess, right? A lot of football people. Who stayed up after midnight last night and are here at church? Okay, God's going to give you a blessing. That's awesome. Very good. Awesome. Well, happy football Christmas, I think is what everybody's saying now. I don't watch it, so I'm, I don't know. I'm not really into college football. I'm going to give it a go this year, though. I'm really going to try to like college football. Well, we, we are right uh, at the end of our series called This Is Us. Every year, we like to take a few weeks, uh, really kind of around uh, August, and talk through the vision that God has given us as a church. How, do we, how are we supposed to be? How are we supposed to live? What are we supposed to do outside of these walls? And uh, we like to talk about it, um, you know, once a year or so. How do we live out the vision of Southcrest? And that is to reach South Atlanta, one relationship at a time, through the gospel, through grace, through growth, and through generosity. Pastor Sean has already talked about the gospel and what it means to make disciples. And we've talked about growth, about bearing fruit, and what it means to extend grace to people. And I get the privilege of talking about generosity today. And I'm actually really excited. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 9. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. And uh, I am super pumped about this sermon. And uh, if you're following along on your phone, there's a Bible app called YouVersion. You can go to Uversion, click on More, and then I think Events. If you click on Events, you're going to see our church, and then you can follow along there. Everything's lined out. You don't even have to flip pages. You just have to do this with your thumb, and I think everybody's capable of doing that, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited about this topic, and um, I kind of wanted to start it out a little bit differently. I kind of wanted to start out with an apology, if I can, for just a moment. I wanted to say uh, we're, we're sorry. Uh, for many, many years, and I'm sure if you guys have spent any time in the church, you have seen organizations, some churches, not all, not all churches, but there are, there are a few, uh, some, some ministries, some nonprofits, even some television evangelists, Take this topic of generosity and use it almost as a manipulation tool into getting people to give money to their ministry. They use it and they use it wrong. They take scriptures out of context and they, they bend and twist it so that they can profit themselves. And I want to apologize on behalf of those people. Southcrest Church is not and will never be about using God's word to manipulate anybody. That's not what we're going to do. That's never what we're going to do, okay? Southcrest Church is not about money. We're about Jesus. We're about ministry. We will never refuse ministry. We will never stop caring for the community and uh, around us. We will never stop sharing the gospel to those that are lost. That is who Southcrest is. Now, from time to time, are we going to open God's word and, and speak his truth, you know, once or twice a year about what it means to be generous? Absolutely. We're going to do that. And today is one of those days. And so here's the deal. I, I don't want you to, over these next few minutes, I don't want you feeling condemned. I don't want you feeling beaten up or manipulated. That's not it. That's not from Jesus. That's not the point of 2 Corinthians, okay? I want you to feel and experience the freedom that comes along with putting Christ at the very center of who we are, including our time, our talents, and our money, our treasure, okay? Is that cool? 
Awesome. All right, well, let's do this thing. Um, what does it mean to be generous, right? We, we say generosity within the vision of our church. What does it mean to be generous? See, I think generosity, there's a, there's a big difference between being something and an action, right? You watch tons of movies, right? Tom Hanks is not Forrest Gump in real life, okay? He was acting like somebody, but he is something different. He is somebody else. And so what we like to th- say here is, at Southcrest is that generosity is, is, is a lifestyle. It's something that we are, okay? I can give every week that doesn't make me generous. I can adopt a, a, you know, a family that's in need this Christmas and buy them gifts uh, for, for Christmas so they have it under their tree. That doesn't necessarily make me generous. Lost people can give. But what does it mean to be generous? What does it mean to give your life away to something? Here's my working definition. Generosity. Generosity is a lifestyle in which we share all that we have and all that we are to demonstrate God's love and to respond to God's grace. You see, when we became a Christian, when we accepted God's grace, we are called to be transformed and to to come into the likeness of Christ, right? As we walk this faith journey, we're, we're to become more and more just like Jesus. And you see, Jesus gives. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? We can't separate the acceptance of God's grace from the practice of generosity. You see, I believe that generosity, among many, generosity is one of the best measuring tools that we have to measure our own spiritual development. Generosity is evidence that God has changed your life. Generosity, that's the main point. If you want to write that down, that's the whole thing. Right there, that's what we're going to talk about. Generosity is evidence that God has changed our life. And I want to ask you this question. Have you organized your life around being generous? Are you generous? Are you a generous person? You see, I believe that generosity starts with the understanding of who owns it all in the first place. Who owns all the money and the houses and the clothes and the stuff in the first place, right? Psalms 24, 1 says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He goes on to explain it further for us to get it. The world (laughs) and all who live in it. You see, everything that is in this world, your life, your time, your talent, your influence, the money that you have, the possessions that you have, it all belongs to God. It's all been given to you on loan from the Lord. Because at one point in your life, you know, I think about it like this. At some point, I'm going to pass away. I'm going to die. And at that point, everything I own and everything that I had, the time, the talent, all of that will be taken away from me. And my kids and my grandkids will open up my closet and they'll they'll start rummaging through my shoes and my ugly ties and they'll take my pots and pans and they'll distribute it amongst the family. And they'll take my bank account and they'll distribute that. There's probably not going to be anything in there, but anyway, uh, sorry kids, good luck. Uh, No, Um, And they're going to go through all the stuff and it will no longer be mine. It's kind of crazy to think about that. This shirt I'm wearing, well, no, it won't be mine. My kids will take it. And then at some point, they're going to pass away. Many years later, they're going to pass away. And their kids and their grandkids and so on and so forth. It doesn't belong to us, guys. It's not ours in the first place. You see, I believe that the beginning of generosity is the awareness that you have what you have because of God. You have what you have because of God. I was listening to an Andy Stanley message you know, a long time ago, and he was talking on this very point about being generous, and, and he made this statement. He says, if it's going to be taken away from us 
at the end of our life, why do we miss the opportunity to give it away now? Why should we miss the blessing of getting the, the, the blessing of giving it away now? Because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I think that's very, very important. So how do we live generously, right? We, we think it's a big picture. Uh, we talk not just about finances, but we also talk about time. We talk about talent, and we talk about treasure. And just starting with the treasure, we need to allow our faith to inform our finances. We need to allow our faith to inform our finances. You see, as a Christian, you and I, we are called to put Christ at the very center of who we are, Right? We're supposed to take Christ, we're supposed to put him at the hub, and from the hub we make decisions, right? He's, he's, we, we change our lives according to what he calls us to do. Now, when it comes to our finances, if we decide to leave him out of our financial planning, if we decide to take you know, him out of our spreadsheets, so to speak, we are essentially practicing atheism with how we handle money. Guys, we have to take God's word what he tells us to do, he tells us to be generous, he tells us to tithe, he tells us to give to the poor. That's how we need to filter our finances through. And we're going to take a look at that right here in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. You see, what we're going to find here is that you and I are called to be radically generous. Radically generous. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through you, uh, I'm sorry, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, this service you performed is not only supplying the need, the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. In verse 13, I love this one. Be, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. You see, as Christians, you and I are called to be radically generous. I love this section of scripture because Paul, he kicks it off with this idea of a farmer, right? No farmer in the history of farming ever goes and prepares his field and he's ready to go and he goes to his bag of seed and he's like, okay, he throws out seed. He's like, well, that's a loss. No farmer thinks like that. No, because what a farmer does in that moment is he sows generously because he knows that the harvest will produce the seeds for the next time he has to sow. Farmers don't reluctantly sow seed. No, they sow it generously. They trust God. They, they prepare the, the soil. They make sure it has the nutrients. They cast tons of seeds out there, and they hope that rain comes and the sun comes, and it's a perfect mixture to have an incredible harvest. Let me ask you this question. Are you sowing generously? You see, when a farmer stints on sowing seed, the only person that he cheats is himself. 
If a farmer prepares his fields and he goes out there and throws a little bit of seed, he's like, I don't want to, this is my seed right here. The only person that he cheats is himself. It's crazy to think like that. The more that we sow, the more harvest we will reap and so that we will have more to sow the next time. But here's the deal. What we're going to find out is that we're called to be generous, not to get. We're called to be generous so that we get to give. That's the point of the whole thing. You see, prosperity gospels and all the stuff that we see on TV, it's all about, man, you need to give so you get your blessing and so that you can have all that you, you know. No, what Paul is talking about here is we give, God supplies everything we need, and the extra, we get to give it away. We get to be generous. We get to share. So let's walk through this, man. I want to walk through these verses little by little. Um, Verse number seven, it says this, each of you should decide what you have given in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Remember, don't don't be manipulated into giving. You know, for you to live a generous life, we got to wake up each and every day and decide. We have to decide to be generous. We got to decide to say, I'm going to use my influence today to share Jesus with somebody. I'm going to use my time today. Though my schedule is packed full, work and kids and sports and all this stuff, I will use my time today. I'm going to decide to use my time for God's kingdom. I'm going to give the resources that God has given me. I'm going to give them away. To live generously, we have to make a decision. Verse 8, it goes on. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. God's not going to leave you stranded, so to speak, if you're a generous person. You're going to have everything you need. So that you will abound in every good work. So what happens when you decide to be generous? God blesses you. And God blesses you so that in all times and in all things, You're going to have all that you need so that you can be a blessing to other people. That's what it's about. You see, it's completely countercultural to today. You know, we're taught to to save it all. And yes, there are biblical principles about saving. You've got to save. We need to save. Proverbs talks a lot about that. But it's more about culture today. It's like hoarding it all and keeping it for ourselves and buy the next biggest thing. And, And if you don't have the money to buy the next biggest thing, here's what you do. You go out and you get a credit card and you buy the next biggest biggest thing on debt and you live outside of your means. But in the economy of God, here's what he says. He says, give it away, I'm going to give you more. And so that when you get more, you're going to be able to give more away. But you're going to have everything you need, but you're going to be a blessing. Proverbs 11 says it like this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Completely countercultural to what we're taught. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. I mean, we think we've got to hold on to it, right? But the way God says, if you hold on to it, if you hoard, if you keep it for yourself, if you're not generous, you're going to come to pro- poverty. A generous per- person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others, they themselves will be refreshed. You see, whenever I have a resistance to be generous with my time and my talent and my treasure, there's a red flag that goes off in my heart. And for some reason, there's this refusal to trust God. And then I got a great wife who, who gives me a swift kick to the pants and says, no, we're going to be generous. We're going to go spend our time over here. We're going to go give this. We're going to go help this family that's in need. You see, I want to bring it back to this point. Generosity is evidence that God has changed your life. God has changed your life. Do you trust God today? Do you trust him in your finances? Do you trust that he's going to supply everything that you need according to his riches and glory? 
You know, Kathy and I, we've been married for 17 years. We got married right out of high school. We were both raised in homes, Christian families, who taught us this, this principle, the principle of tithing, right? Hey, 10% goes to the local church, and then you give above and beyond that, Matt. That's like the bare minimum, and then you give to others in need, okay? And so we were taught that. That's just ingrained in, into who I, I am. Same with Kathy. And so when we got married, we set that as a standard in our life. And uh, I remember getting married right out of high school. We moved off to Bible college in Dallas, Texas, and we were flat broke, y'all. We were broke, okay? We were in college together, okay? And uh, I remember one day specifically, um, we had no money in the bank. I mean, literally no money. Like ramen noodle, we had a stockpile of ramen noodle in the closet. Uh, So we were good. We weren't going to starve to death. But we had zero dollars in the bank, and tuition was due. Up until this point, we were able to pay tuition. But I had this credit card kind of stowed away. It's like, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to put tuition on the credit card. So I maxed the credit card out. And uh, literally had no money. And uh, Kathy, she worked in North Dallas. She worked for AvoCare um, on the uh, marketing team or whatever. And uh, she had her paycheck. The paycheck was ready for her to go pick up. And so we're like, okay, great. It's 9 o'clock at night. We're in South Dallas, kind of a rough area. But we, you know, so we pull around the corner. Um, we get in the car. And then we turn the car on. And we realize there is absolutely zero gas in the car. No gas. No gas. So we're like, crud. All right, let's just go right around the corner. There's a, there's a Texaco sitting on the corner of Keith Road and Highway uh, 67. Uh, and so we go to the, go to the Texaco. We, we, we're thinking, okay, there's no money in the, in the bank account. There's no money on the credit card. Like, we, what, what am I doing here, you know? So I get out. I pull out my, my, my wallet, and I pull my credit card out, and I blow on. I'm like, you know, you know, wipe it off, make sure it's good, you know, make sure it's clean. And I stick it in. It's like, decline. It's like, dude, Lord, help me, Lord. Stick it. Decline, man. It's maxed out. I don't even know why I even tried. So I was like, okay, next card. Pull out my debit card. I'm like, okay. Debit card, blow it off again, kind of rub it, shine it up, stick it in, decline. Dadgummit, decline. I get back in the car, and uh, we're sitting there just absolutely at the very end of ourselves. Like, we are just, there's no money. There's no nothing. And, and we're sitting there, Kathy's almost crying, you know, we're talking, it's like, we're going to figure it out. And then on the window, this lady knocks on our window and says, hey, the Lord told me to give this to you. In the moment, she just handed me a $10 bill. I was able to take that $10, put it in my tank, drove up to North Dallas, got her, call, got her check, and everything's good. We're back off to normal. And there are so many of those stories in my life um, over and over where God's provision that, that he's provided, and I have to think back and say, okay, God, it's because I've placed you, uh, my, my finances are, a, you are a priority when it comes to my finances. I will be generous. Has anybody ever experienced the, the miracle of provision by God? By a raise of hands. Have you guys? There's a lot of hands. Yeah, awesome. I wasn't even going to share this, but I, I got to put it in here. Um, the moment, listen to this, the moment that you experience the miracle of God's provision. He's not showing you an action of something. He's showing you who he is. And so in that very moment, you and I lose the right to ever doubt that we'll never have anything again. We will lose the, we lose the right because God, it says in his word that he's going to provide, he will provide uh, my needs according to his riches. And so I can never doubt him. In that moment, sitting in the car, I, I, I lost the right. I could not doubt him. And I'll, here's $10. You know, there's been to- other times, too. Um, I wish I could share them with you. You see, generosity is evidence that God has changed your life.
Uh, moving on uh, towards the end of that verse, it, the, the idea of money, one of the most valuable things about money is that we get to use it for every good work. The most valuable thing about money is not for our consumption, but that we get to use it for every good work. That's awesome. Verse 10, moving on. Now he who supplies, who supplies it? He supplies it. He supplies the seed for me to be generous. I don't give out of what I don't have. Uh, I actually did, in Dallas, I worked for an AVL company real quick. I worked for an audio video and lighting company. And we went and did an install at uh, a ministry, a local ministry who will remain nameless. And uh, this guy proceeds to tell people, if you don't have money, get your credit card out. You, you know, you need to sell a thousand dollar seed today because you're, you're going to get a uh, blessing and you're going to get healing or whatever it is. If you don't have that money in your bank account, get your credit card out and swipe that. And watch God supernaturally wipe away your, your debt. And I'm thinking, that is not in the Bible anywhere, man. Where do you get this stuff? No. We give out of what God supplies for us. We give from what we have, guys. He supplies seed to the sower and then bread for food. So you're not going to go without. You're going to eat. It's, it's a promise. And we'll also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Your righteousness, you see, giving is connected to who you are in Christ. Generosity is evidence that God has changed your life. Verse 11, moving on. Um, So you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Not so that you can consume more. The more more and more I get, the more and more blessing, the the raise, all all this stuff that I get isn't necessarily for me to consume more. It's so I can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see, it points people to Jesus. The problem with living tight-fisted is that we limit and hinder God from, to giving us more. We limit him with, with giving us even more. Martin Luther said it like this. He says, the many, I've had many things in my hands that I've lost, but the things that I've placed in the hands of God, I still possess. You see, what we do with money is a litmus test for our relationship with God. Verse 13, the last one we're going to hit real quick. I love this one, man. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. It's one thing to say we're Christians. It's another thing to prove that we're a Christian. And when we're generous, when we give other people We point people to Jesus. Other people are like, God, this is awesome. And then they in turn praise God for for your obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Generosity points people to Jesus, y'all. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. So how do we practice this? Real quick. Just a couple of ways how you practice being uh, generous with your money and what God kind of talks, talks about throughout God's word. We teach the principle, the principle of the tithe. The tithe actually means 10%. Here's the deal. The tithe belongs to God and we give it first. Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for, uh, to store it. You see, I've, I've heard it illustrated this way. There's a man, he owns this business, right? The business gets successful. He gets older in his years, and, and he goes to his son and says, Son, I'd like to retire, but I'm going to own the company. I want you to run it. And so who owns the company? The, the father. Who, who runs the company? 
the son. Who owns it? The father owns it. And so he tells the son, he says, son, you run it. You have a great life. You're going to be super successful. It's going to provide you abundance. It's going to be awesome. But I want you to give me 10% off the top just so you remember who owns the company, who owns it all. I own it. I want you to give me 10%. You take 90 and you live it. You go out and live your life and have a great life. You see, sometimes in life we forget who owns it and who runs it. You see, I, I don't necessarily own my talents and my time and my treasure. It's been given, it's been given to me on loan. I just, I just run it. The other reason, one of the reasons why I give my tithe is because I trust God and I want his favor on my finances. Proverbs says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him. He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. We kind of stop right there, but if we continue on, trusting the Lord is tied to our finances. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Here's what's cool. When you honor God with your tithe, so many lives are changed within the context of the church because the church is about ministry and sharing the gospel, but the very first life that's changed is your, your own. My life has changed when I tithe every week. I'm the first life that's changed, and I absolutely love that. But giving goes well beyond the tithe. That's just kind of the bare minimum of what God says. And, but being generous goes beyond the tithe, and it has to do with everything that we have. Everything that we have. Acts 4. Uh, let's read this real quick. Um, all the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possession was their own. But they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. In them all. Yeah. That there was no needy persons among them. Uh, For from time to time, those who owned the land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. You see, generosity is evidence that God has changed your life. Generosity is evidence that God has changed your life. So, So what happens when we live a life like this? Well, I tell you what, it points people to Jesus. It points people to Jesus. We have a story of Bennett Smith, Bennett and Lauren Smith. I want you to watch this, this short story with me. Hey, my name's Bennett. Um, my family and I have been serving at Southcrest for a little over three years. The word generosity means, um, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people, um, especially depending on what, you know, what lens you're currently looking, um, looking at life through. But for me, I mean, just at its most kind of simple form, um, generosity is just all about taking the, the time and the talent and the, the, the treasure and just the gifts that you have and meeting a need that someone else has. And then, yeah, there's obviously a money component. I mean, you know, money makes the world go round. It does that uh, um, in business. It, it, it's, it's how churches minister to people. Um, and, and really, you know, the, the money piece for me is just a... It's just a continual act of obedience to say, hey, God, like, you, um, you know where I am in my life. You know where I am in my finances. Um, but you are bigger than all of that, and, and you have called me to be obedient. So whatever it is that you've laid on my heart that um, I need to be obedient to in regards to my time and my talent and my money, I want to I do that. Um, and it's just a continual kind of humbling of myself and of my family to say, 
hey, we trust you. There's a lot of people that could feel guilty and throw a few bucks in the plate or volunteer on a Sunday, um, but that's not what God's after. You know, God's after your heart and um, your obedience. And I, I firmly believe that you know, the the most hardened person that can be sitting across the table from me um, still wants to be known for something bigger and better than themselves. And um, I can't think of a better way to do that than to invest um, in the things of God. I totally get the skepticism because I was there. Um, um, and, and God still challenges me to, to do more. I mean, that's kind of the cool part about being a, a, a Christian. And the scary part is that, like, once you kind of get, like, man, all right, I'm doing it really well right now, like, God just takes you deeper. And, um, but the cool part is every time he takes you deeper, the view gets better um, in, in what you are able to see and, and how he's impacting the world around you. And just the lens in which you view the world begins to look a lot less um, like you and it looks a lot more like him. Yeah, man, I absolutely love that story. It looks a lot more, less like us, and it looks more like him. And uh, man, I love that family. They're incredible life group leaders. If you're a couple with kids, young kids, and you're looking for a life group, Bennett Lawrence Smith's group is amazing. And uh, if you want some more information, I'll be standing right here. I'll be, be glad to connect you. Now, uh, I want to wrap up. I want to take the next few minutes to talk about the card that is sitting on your chair. If you'll go ahead and grab that. What does it mean to be generous beyond just giving financially, um, going into your time, going into your talents? Um, you know, Southcrest, you know, we, we talk about our vision a lot, but I've had some conversations with folks over the past few weeks, and they just said, man, I really just don't know how to go out and live this, this, this vision. I don't know how to take, even take my time and go out and use it for God's kingdom. And so we decided to create some simple on-ramps for people to go and engage in the vision tomorrow, okay? To go out outside of these four walls and go outside and to live uh, the gospel, extend grace, to grow and to be generous. And so that's what this card is all about. No, this isn't completely comprehensive, and no, this isn't the only way you can do it. There's actually a lot of ways to do these four items, but this is just simply a starting point, okay? This is a great place to start as a church, and uh, I, I cannot wait to begin hearing stories over the next few weeks uh, as to how God uses this, these on-ramps, with you and through you to reach people outside of the church. So let's go through this really quick. The gospel, right? Uh, you'll see on the, on the top of your card, it says the gospel. The very first G of our church is always centered, centered around Jesus Christ and the gospel. That is the most important thing to us as a church. Okay, and so how do we go out and live out the gospel tomorrow? Very simply, three steps. Develop your gospel story. What you need to do as a Christian is to write down your story, how you met Christ, okay? You need to develop that. You need to be ready and prepared to share that with your friends, your family members, and your coworkers. And you need to be ready to do it tomorrow. I know it's a vacation day, so maybe you won't be around coworkers until Tuesday or so. Um, how do you do that? Very simply, three ways. What was your life like before Christ? Man, maybe you were lost. Maybe you were, maybe you were hung up on something, or, or maybe you lived a great, I don't know. However, whatever your life was like before, you need to write that down, okay? Number two, how did you meet Christ? Were you at church? 
Well, maybe you were at a coffee shop and you were hanging out with a friend and he led you to Christ. Um, and then how did your life change after you met Christ? Okay, very simple how to create your testimony and develop your own gospel story. And I want to encourage you to get it down to about three to five minutes, okay? Be ready to just fire that bad boy off um, and you don't kind of take people's time. If, you know, let's say you have extra time, of course, expound. Uh, Take your time, develop your story out. But if you're in a work setting or if you're at a coffee shop, you know, you need to be able to do it pretty quick. And so I just want to encourage you, develop your gospel story. You got to be prepared, Okay. Number two, share your story with somebody. Very simple, right? You need to pray today, tomorrow, and say, God, I want to share my story with one person this week. This week, God, would you open the door to allowing me to share my story with somebody this week? And then in that moment, invite them. Invite them into a relationship with Jesus, right? All you have to do is say, man, Romans says that if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. So if you believe right now, all we got to do is pray. Let's pray. Um, but if, if that time, you know, your time with them doesn't afford you that moment, man, invite them to church because we're going to do that every Sunday morning. We're going to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. And then the most important thing of this whole, that whole section is who is your gospel relationship? Okay, we want to make it very, very practical. Who is your gospel relationship? I want you to take a moment, grab the pen and the, and the seat back right there, and I want you to write one name down. And here's the power of this thing, guys. We've got multiple hundreds of people here in the room today. Think about this. If we collectively did that, if we committed to doing that on Tuesday or tomorrow, guys, we would have hundreds of people sharing the gospel. Think about what would happen to Noonan and South Atlanta and LaGrange if we all just committed to doing this one thing right here. Guys, it would flip our community upside down. We would start seeing people come to the Lord just in droves. It would be incredible. So that's one simple way as to how to live out the gospel and share the gospel. We're going to be releasing some more ways here soon. We've got the three circles and some other, other ideas as to how to share the gospel. But this is one great way, very relational way, because the first part of our vision is one relationship at a time, right? Relationally share your story, okay? Number two, grace. Let's move on, on to this. Grace is the free, unearned favor of God. So how do we live out grace tomorrow? Well, very first, first and foremost, you have to embrace your own grace identity, okay? If you get on our website, you can go to our Watch and Listen page. We just recently did a sermon series called The Grace Card. If you want to learn more about what it means to embrace your own grace identity, you can watch those, or you can look up these verses right here. But your grace identity has to do with all of this, understanding that you're a person of grace, not guilt, that you're a child of faith, that you're free in Christ, that you're brand new in Jesus, you're spiritually blessed, and, and on and on and on. It's understanding of the gift that God has given you. Number two, you take that, you take that identity you, and you go share that hope with somebody that's in need. Seek somebody out who's hurting and broken. Man, we got plenty of people in our lives, I'm sure that you do, I do personally, that are either mad at the church they're going through a very difficult relationship time, season in their life, or they're, I don't know, maybe they lost a loved one and they're, they're angry and they're confused. We have plenty of people like that in their lives that God is trying to say, hey, pick somebody and go help them. Go help them. You identify their need. You lead them to a solution. Maybe they need to get counseling. Maybe they need to get plugged into a life group. Maybe they need to be discipled. Maybe they need to go to church. I don't know what it is. And then you help them embrace their grace identity, Okay. Very simply put, right? 
The most important part of that section is who is your grace relationship? Grab the pin out of the seat back right now and put one name down now. I know God's bringing names to your mind right now. People in your, in your sphere of influence that need this, desperately need this, okay? This is how we take our time and invest it into God's kingdom, okay? Uh, flip the card over, the last two real quick. Growth, the process of developing, right? Number one, first and foremost, we have to grow in our own relationship with Christ, Listen, you and I are responsible for our own growth. My parents aren't responsible for my growth. The church isn't responsible. My life group leader isn't responsible. I'm responsible to grow myself, okay? And how do I do that, man? I spend my own time daily in God's word and in prayer. Engage in weekly worship, man. Come to church. Come collectively. Let's worship together. Uh, Join a life group, man. If you're not in a life group, you're missing out on community. I'm telling you, you're missing out. And then attend growth track. I'm super excited about this. I kind of want to announce it to you today. Starting in January, we're in the development process of growth track. And uh, what growth track is, is it's a four-week class that happens on Sunday mornings here at Room 1. And we're going to walk through what it means to be a Christian. We're going to walk through some simple spiritual formations for four weeks. What it means to be a Christian. How you're wired. How you take how you're wired and and use it for God's kingdom. Man, it's really cool. And I want to encourage everybody to go through it. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And it's one hour on Sunday morning. So a lot of people are going to go to the class on 9.30, and then they're going to come to service at 11. So really cool, really excited about that. So you grow in your own relationship with Christ, and there are other ways to do that, but there are just some ways right there. Number two, grow in your relationship with others, right? Again, join a, grow, join a, a life group, a 10 growth track, very relational, and then serve others, man, get involved. And then here's the really cool part. How, how do we grow? We help others grow. There is a massive need in the church and in, in our community right now for people, for Christians like you and I who have been developed for many years to take somebody who's younger in the faith and help them develop and grow themselves. Guys, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, we have to go help people grow. We have to. Guys, God's waiting on us to help others come along and grow in the relationship with Christ. So find somebody to mentor, man. Find a, a student, find a new Christian and say, hey, let's go for four weeks to the Starbucks at six in the morning. Let's go through Matthew. I don't know. Just find somebody and help them grow. And then invite them uh, to church and into Christian community, man. Help them get plugged in. The most important part of that section is who is your growth relationship. Grab the pen out of your seat, write one name down, of a brother, a, sin, a sister, a, f- a friend, a co-worker, somebody who's brand new in their faith, and d- decide to be generous by helping them grow. Okay? Make that decision. And lastly, what we talked about today, generosity, the willingness to, sh- to give and to share. So we talked about time and talents, man. You could serve at your church, but not just within the context of these four walls, man. Get outside of the f- four walls, man, and go and serve in our community, uh, we have great needs there. We have great needs here, man. We need kids workers and student workers. I know if Cameron was standing out up here, he'd be like, please, we need some student workers. Help us on Wednesday nights. And uh, so get involved. Get plugged in. Share your treasure. We talked about it today. Give your ties and, and give to others. And then lastly, I love this, man. Share your life. Create margin in your life to be generous. If you're like me, my schedule is so packed, Right? 
It's so full. I have to create some margin. I need to create more margin in my life so I can be generous. I'll have the time to be generous. I'll have the finances to be generous. I need to create that margin and then engage in, in acts of kindness, man. Random acts of kindness. I don't know, your mailman, your, your FedEx guy, I don't know. Whoever it is, man, just think of ways to be generous to other people. And then lastly, who are you, who are you pursuing to be generous with? Maybe there's somebody in your family that has a great need. Maybe there's somebody in your, at your work that, that needs some help. And you can be generous to them. And then we've made this card to fit so ever nicely into your Bible. Just like so. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Close it up. You can keep it in there. And every time you go to God's Word, you can pray over those four names. And you can keep it. Okay? And then I want to pray with you that as we do this collectively that we start seeing God change people's lives one relationship at a time through gospel, grace, growth, and generosity. Let's pray.